Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... He appeals to the Lord's desire of how a true church is to think and live. And he calls everybody in the church. Remember we said that when he writes to a church, when God writes to a church, it is written to any church by extension. And he calls everybody in the church to participate. Not so the Lord goes, oh, that's really good. No, because we would be responding to how good the Lord has been to us. Now this is very important for us to see as a church and very important for us to see this point as Christians. Unity is very important, especially in a church. In fact, a church united in the gospel of Jesus is a force in its community. But how does a church achieve this type of unity? Today, Pastor Jim will explain that unity comes from a certain motivation and mindset. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians chapter 2 with part one of his message entitled, Joyful Unity. I'm going to ask you a question. It's not that hard. How many of you live in the United States of America? But is that true? Not do you really live here, but are we really united? Are the states of our country united in You may not realize this, but the founding fathers of our country had very different beliefs when it came to God, very different beliefs in some of the things that they thought about what our country should be. But somehow, some would say by miracle of God himself, somehow these guys with different beliefs came up with documents that they all could sign. Somehow they came to some sort of unity and some common ground. You say, how's that? I think it came down to the fact that the mission of birthing a new country was bigger than any of their personal agendas. The mission that they had for um, forming a country was bigger than their personal pet peeves, if you will. And did you know that a church must think and live the same way? The mission has to be the number one driving force. It has to be more important than any of our personal agendas, than any of our personal ideas, than any of the things that we are about. And five times in chapter one, the apostle Paul told the Philippian church that the mission is the gospel. The good news of what God has done through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by coming to live on earth, die so that whoever would put their trust in him would have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So the title of this morning's message is Joyful Unity. Joyful Unity. And once again, we come up against, if you've been with us in our Philippian study, another counter-cultural, turn-our-head, upside-down section from the Apostle Paul, in which he comes once again to go against all sense of human thinking, what drives a human being, ourselves, right, and says something else has got to drive you. 
And so here, the apostle writing from jail, as we've covered already, we're now about 30 years since Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven. He founded the church in Philippi. He's, a lot of scholars think that he might be in jail in Rome. He's in jail for preaching the gospel, so he's there under false pretenses. He could be awaiting sentencing or awaiting trial. He could be awaiting the death penalty. He's writing a letter to a church that he founded 10 years ago. He talked about the pressures that he know is coming to the church from the outside, from the society, from the culture. And this week, he talks about the pressures that are on the inside. Now, verses 1 through 4, I feel somewhat unable to teach them accurately today because it is a passionate appeal, which is very tough to be passionate when you're battling laryngitis, but it is a very passionate appeal to a church that is a really good church. The Philippian church is a really good church. We know that from some of the other letters where he really lays it down with some of the other churches that he started. This is a really good church, but there's some sense behind the scenes, and as we go further, we'll see more of it, that there's some certain things that are starting to settle in to the church that the apostle sees down the road could spell trouble. One of them is probably the biggest symptom of sickness in the church in America today, and that is apathy. There's a lot of apathy in the church in America today, people not satisfied with the way life is going, and perhaps that was plaguing some of the Philippians. Perhaps there's complaining that starts to develop. You know, when you're apathetic, you start to complain. Nothing's right. Nothing seems to be going well. Maybe in their church, they're developing a little bit of competition people wanting to have certain titles or certain offices or certain things like that, and perhaps there is a sense of entitlement brewing amongst some of the people. All natural human things that develop if the people of the church are not about the gospel. Now, if you're a guest with us here today, we're so glad you're here, and you think, well, uh uh-oh, here we are. He's going to air the dirty laundry of the problems of this church. We're just going through this book of the Bible verse by verse and trusting that God has something to teach us as a church, to teach each of us as followers of Jesus Christ or people who are exploring the Christian faith about what a church is supposed to look like as it pertains to this section. And so here, you might describe the Philippian church as a church with a little bit of a leak. What happens to little leaks? They get bigger, right? And so he's trying to, if you will, plug the holes in the leak before it gets bigger, And disunity is probably the biggest danger that the church faces, any church. If we are not united, that puts us in a very dangerous position. Because you know what? We have to expect that people who are anti-Christianity, we have to expect them to do their thing, right? They're anti-Christianity, so they act anti-Christian. We should expect that. But what the apostle is trying to remind us today is, as Christians, we will stand stronger if we are united, and we will make a bigger difference in our world if we are united. So he wants this church to be lovingly united in the mission of the gospel. And you may not know this, but a unified church preaches, and not necessarily from a pulpit, but a unified church preaches lovingly and loudly. 
And people, they're not used to seeing that. How many of you have friends that when you talk to them about going to church, they sort of have this attitude, been there, done that? No. (laughs) Because what have they witnessed? They've witnessed impersonal church, impractical church, or a church that just people arguing. There's all different types of things that people have witnessed in church before. And a united church preaches the power of God. A united church through their love, preaches the power of the word of God. A united church helps the people within the church grow in their own faith because they're focused on their faith, not a bunch of problems. And so it takes to have a church like that, a group of people who are united under the word of God, not under the pastor, not under anything other than the word of God. I mean, you hope that the pastor follows the word of God. I hope that the pastor does here. He tries, I can tell you that. And this group of people is responding to what I would call gospel pressure. The pressure that the gospel puts on you, which we'll talk about in a second, that motivates you to live differently because your experience of life is different. Instead of living under the pressures of society, what society tells you you have to be, and instead of living under the pressure of yourself, which yourself compels you or tells you to be. Now, chapter 1, verse 27, if you were with us in a, that when we studied that, I, the Bible is the inspired word of God. The chapters and the verses were put in later to help us find our way around the Bible a little bit better, a lot better actually, and I'm not so crazy about the chapter division here. I think chapter 1, verse 27 might have been a better place to do it because that verse sets the stage for much of what will happen in chapter 2. And so chapter 1, verse 27, he says this. He begins this new section by saying, we studied this last time, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Remember, you don't make yourself worthy Christ makes you worthy, and then your conduct reflects what Jesus has done in your life. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, not extramarital affairs, (laughs) that I may hear of what's going on in the church, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, please, friends, note for a second, we'll talk about this in a little bit. We're not looking for cookie-cutter Christians. God is not looking for cookie-cutter Christians. He's made us very different, different gift sets we have. There's different things about us. He wants to pull us together, and, you know, some of us are very good at fixing things, so they're running around the church fixing things. You know, I'm the unhandy man. Thank God you're here, okay? So there's very different gifts that we all have. We need to use our gifts. We need to work together in it. So it's not that we all have to be the same, but God is trying to help us to think the same on the mission of the gospel, growing in our understanding of what Jesus has done for us, growing in our knowledge of God, and growing in our ability to explain to others who really do not understand the message of the Bible. So three things, if you're taking notes, we want to just look at briefly. You say, how in the world can we do this? Well, he supplies us with some tools, if you will, to grab a hold of. Number one is he gives us a motivation for unity a motivation for, like, why in the world would I want to be united with a bunch of messy church people? 
And he tells us why. Verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Let's just stop right there for a second. Now, without going into the technical details of the Greek language, the word if can sometimes have the meaning of the word since or the meaning of the word because. So let's substitute the word if for since and because and see maybe this helps us understand it a little bit more. He says, therefore, since or because there is any consolation, some of your versions say encouragement in Christ. So since you've received encouragement in Christ, if or since because there is comfort of love, one commentator put it this way. He said, there is the persuasive appeal of God's love. Because of that, okay, since or because there is fellowship of the Spirit, since or because there is affection and mercy. Some of your versions translated tenderness and compassion. So here the Apostle Paul very skillfully begins with why a Christian, someone who is a committed follower of Jesus Christ, someone who has turned to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ, not someone who just says, well, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian, I'm an American, not that, okay, someone who's really a Christian, why they should be motivated for the church to be unified, why they should desire for the church to be unified, why they should care for others within the church, And what is his appeal? His appeal is to the experience of becoming a Christian. And his experience is also as to what should be the ongoing experience of a Christian. So what does he say? When you became a Christian and as a Christian, you experience the encouragement of the Lord. That's part of being a Christian, Most people become Christians when they're just not really doing so hot. (laughs) And like, God could never take me this way. And I'm like, oh, yes, yes, now you're ready, right? Now you're ready. When you realize that you're not worth taking, that's when God wants to take you. And so he says, you've experienced the encouragement, okay, of the Lord. You have experienced the love of the Lord. You have experienced the fellowship of his spirit. You have been drawn into the worship of God. Maybe you read your Bible and you're like, remember for some of us the first day, we like understood it like, I got it, I got it, you know? And so you've experienced that. You've experienced the mercy of God, the tenderness and compassion of God. Instead of him beating you up for your sin and your selfishness. He welcomed you. He offered to forgive you. And he told you that he could help you to walk with him. And so the apostle says, you say you have all those things, so prove it by loving others in the church. You say you're a follower of Jesus. Take what's internal and make it external. Take the love of God and demonstrate it to others. Just this alone should be enough to radically change every believer in a church to love one another, shouldn't it? Notice the Apostle Paul doesn't say what we would say. What would we say? We'd be like, just shut up and get along. (laughs) 
you know? Just get with it. Come on. How many times? Five times he mentioned the gospel in chapter one. Hello, get a hint, get with it. No, not at all. What does he do as the motivation? He draws our attention to how the Lord has treated us. And he says, go, if you will, and do likewise. He appeals to the Lord's desire of how a true church is to think and live. And he calls everybody in the church. Remember we said that when he writes to a church, when God writes to a church, it is written to any church by extension. And he calls everybody in the church to participate. Not so the Lord goes, oh, that's really good. No, because we would be responding to how good the Lord has been to us. Now, this is very important for us to see as a church and very important for us to see this point as Christians. Much of the experience of the Lord has come to you through other believers. Much of what you've learned, much of what you know about has come to you because somebody else took the time when you were just first starting out to explain the things of God to you, to love you, to care for you. I was talking with someone in the church recently, and they brought a friend here. And their friend basically has what I would classify as the classic Northwest New Jersey Christian, pseudo-Christian belief. It's basically some form of religiosity mixed with the new age. So I was talking with them and their friend, and their friend went to the restroom, and they go, my friend's whacked out, right? And I said, their beliefs are a bit off of what we would classify as classic, the classic Christian message. And like, yeah, I don't know what to do. I go, it's okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And they go, was I that way when I got here? I was like, yes. <laughs> was I worse? I was like, yes. <laughs> but somebody took the time with that person. Somebody here, in fact, took the time with that person to explain those things. And so the love of God, the knowledge of God was brought through, or as we say in theological terms, was mediated through that person from God. And that person might have welcomed you into the family of God. They helped you belong. And the Apostle Paul is saying, now that's happened to you, guess what? Your obligation is to do that for someone else. That is how Christianity spreads. And this is one of the problems that we have in America right now is where are the people who are saying, you know what, I have received so much from the Lord, I need to pass it on to somebody who's new. Now, it's easy to say, well, the church should do that. Who's the church? The people, the people. People say, well, I really don't know enough. Buy the book, go through it together and see what it is that you don't know. We love Bible questions here, trust me. We love that stuff. If you may recall that I told a story many times here before, before we started on Sunday mornings up here, I went and visited about 10 churches on Sunday mornings just to see what they were like, and there was two criteria I had for myself. Number one was uh, I was not going to speak to anyone, which if you know me, that's not easy. I was not going to speak to anyone, and number two, I was not going to carry a Bible with me into church. And I wanted to see as I visited those churches, did anybody speak to me and did I need a Bible? And you know there was only one church where someone spoke to me? And there was only one church I needed a Bible? And they were the same church? And a year later, I met somebody there, and I told them the story, and he said, yeah, I got some bad news for you. I said, what's that? He goes, that guy died, and our pastor left. <laughs> but, you know, God really 
not only gave me a vision, I guess, for what I wanted us to be, and we're not perfect there. We certainly need to do better at this for sure. But I also saw what happens when I put nothing into it. You know, if I put nothing into trying to engage myself with other people when I walk into a place, then who am I to think, well, they didn't care about me? You see, we really have to be about the Lord's business. And the words fellowship of the Spirit are very important here. It speaks of a Christian's bond to the Lord, and it speaks of our bond to all of the people that are part of God's church. And to participate is to give into, if you will, the pull of the Holy Spirit. And it's part of experiencing the new heart and the new sensitivities that God gives someone when they become a new creation or a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there's many people who would say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not experiencing this. And this is where the sledding gets a little tough. So ushers, please lock the door (laughs) because we just want to just talk about something real quick for a second. If you really want to experience the new heart, the new sensitivities of being a new Christian, at some point in time, you may have to stop being angry with the world. At some point in time, you may have to give up the fact that you have been so offended by people. Because people will offend you, and you will offend people. That's just the reality of it. And half the time when people are offended, they just took what you said the wrong way. They just read into it. You know, if you meet me at the door after the service, you go, that was a good sermon. I'm like, I could either go, thank you, or I could go, only good? (laughs) You see, at some point in time, we're going to have to start thinking the best of people. At some point in time, we're going to talk about this a bit. We're going to have to realize that Jesus died for their sins as well as ours, that Jesus loves them just like he loves us. At some point in time, we're going to have to let the love of Jesus Christ embrace us in totality if we want to experience joy. You see, Too much of us have been raised in a hypothetical Christianity. The possession of Jesus Christ and being possessed by him is not a hypothetical. It is a reality. And the Apostle Paul says here, that's the motivation for unity. It is important to Jesus. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples for the love that you have for one another. And the Apostle says, listen, if it's important to Jesus, if he shared it with you, It needs to be important to you and important to me, and we need to share it with others. Well, secondly, we move to the mindset of unity. And this is the mindset we all must have. He says, verse 2, fulfill my joy. Some of your versions wrote it this way, make my joy complete. How? Now, this is very important for us to remember. In the Old Testament, we say when the prophets speak, God speaks. We call this book what? The Word of God. So when the apostles speak in the Bible, God speaks. Doesn't mean everything that came out of their mouth was, you know, when they said, you know, you know, want something to eat? Yes. Oh, thank you, God. No, it means when they wrote, you know, we studied 1 Corinthians, we knew there was a missing letter. The apostle Paul is like, yeah, that wasn't from God. That was me getting in the flesh and getting angry and stuff like that. So, but when the apostles speak in the Bible, it is God who is speaking there. God is speaking through them. It is the word of God. So this is God's heart for a church. This is it. He says, fulfill my joy, fulfill God's joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. 
So here the apostle describes to us how a church family is supposed to think through the gospel, think through what he just taught us in verse 1, and he says the goal is to be like-minded, having the same mind, being of one accord, being joined in soul. That is the goal of us as a church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.